0: We live in a dangerous and unpredictable world. Markets turn and economies crash without warning. Staying ahead of the investment game is more difficult than ever. Join me, Alameen Templeton, every day between 7 and 8 p.m. on business matters for concise news and analysis of important events that are shaping the world, your life, and your pocket. You snooze, you lose. You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to another edition of Business Matters with me your host Alameen Templeton as we take a look at what's happening in business markets, financial markets, political corridors all around the world. <coughs> well, today today was a bit of a sad rand a sad day for the rand. Uh, we fell against the dollar and the euro was slightly up against the pound. Uh, But still, with the pound, we're not looking all that great. We're 19.19 against the pound, uh, 14.50 to the dollar, and against the euro, we are 16.38. We haven't, in all this time, we haven't budged against the um, Japanese yen. We've lost one cent against the Turkish lira, and we've lost 14 cents to the Australian dollar. Uh, But uh, we've seen wild swings against the major currencies, which isn't really a reflection of what's going on in South Africa. It's just a reflection of uh, greater volumes of the big currencies and smaller volumes of ours. And so we're tossed and turned in a turbulent market because we're one of the most actively traded currencies in the world. Simply because we've got a very efficient market, you could say. In some ways, the efficiencies of our market really seem to work against us, doesn't it? Ah, well, the all-share index is slightly down, almost flatlining. It hasn't really been doing much over the last few months, has it? It's on uh, 55,809.61, and uh, the top 40 index on 49,516. The most top-viewed shares today, well, we've got the usual... Ms. scrunts we've got steinoff we've got aspen we've got aveng and we've got Tongart. Tongart's raised 5.4% today That's the fourth most watched share steinoff as usual the daily favorite It's down 3% today on 194 far away from the days of its 95 rand peak uh it's uh, aspen is on 101 rand 50 today it's the second most watched share but it's down 6.4% today uh De- debt strapped group, uh, sign up for corruption. Strapped group, group of a cash strapped group, group, and it's struggling to sell off its parts. Uh, it doesn't look as going to go anywhere. Its share price is a miserly three cents. Tongart is uh, on sixteen round eighty six, and it's up as we said five point four percent for the day. The big movers on the market today, uh, we had. Implats in number one spot to gained 5.79%. Exaro, uh, the another miner, up 4.67%. We'll be looking at the results a little bit later. Uh, CML, <clears throat> the food group, is up 4.31%. Kumba Iron Ore is up 3.94%. And Hammerson is up 365 Biggest losers today was Aspen, losing 6.4%, Harmony lost 5.25%, Sappy is down 4%, Mr. Price down 3.75%, and AVI is down 3.6%. Ah, well, uh, in other news on on a wider scale, um, we had an interesting... Uh, results uh, coming out from several companies, uh, Standard Bank, however, leads the news today because it 's announced it will cut one thousand two hundred jobs and close ninety one branches that 's part of the drive to digitize its retail and business banking uh, soon or you 're not going to have any uh, standard bank branches you 're just going to have a brand on your or an app on your on your smartphone uh, They say this hasn 't been an easy decision to make. Um, it said in a statement uh, not an easy decision to make uh, I wonder what are those 1200 workers think about that well I wonder how many of them are Muslim huh. uh, South African manufacturing output barely grew in January on a year to year basis compared to the previous January rising 0.3% uh, after a flat reading of 0% in December uh, and uh, a, Against, uh, um, on a a month-on-month basis, factory factory production production contracted by 2% in comparison to the previous December. So, Rand Merchant Bank Holdings uh, brought out their results today. Net income was higher at 5.5 billion Rand. Income from operations rose to 5.5 billion uh, while profit attribu- attributable to equity holders uh, increased to 5.4 billion, sure, that's a lot of money, um, straight out of your operations in, into your dividends or money available for dividends. In addition, headline earnings a share jumped 6% to 315.2 cents a share, that's compared to 2.9, 298.2 cents a share earlier. They declared a gross interim dividend of 178 cents a share. They're going to keep people very happy. But uh, these aren't the reasons why we look at banks. We look at banks to see what, they, what they're saying about the macroeconomic conditions in South Africa. They have a look at, uh, at some of the worrying uh, aspects uh, that are capturing their attention. Not necessarily because they correct, uh, but really it does give you an insight into the market bias. You know, you've got to know where the herd is going. Uh, in order to go in opposite directions. (laughs) Uh, They say that the macroeconomic environment that they're working in has experienced significant turbulence, the year shaping up to be another challenging year for the South African economy. Headwinds include a a slowing global economy, ESCOM as usual, everyone is quoting ESCOM in their year outlook, Uh, adverse domestic weather conditions in the western maize growing regions of the country, Prolonged strike activity in the gold mining sector and political uncertainty leading into the national election. They say they see continued to weak GDP growth, uh, given uh, disappointing uh, fixed investment. That's people investing in uh, fixed property, in uh, in uh, you know full capital expansion. Rather than um, inventories, investments, and so on, uh, they see a lack of a policy visibility. Don't know exactly what they mean by that. I mean the mining, uh, um, the mining papers uh, seem to. Have, the mining, uh, what is the mining accord? seems to have uh, worked itself out. Uh, I suppose uh, with the banks, they're looking at the nationalisation of the of the reserve bank. Uh, which is maybe where they uh see cloudy possibility, policy uh cloudy uh, policy uncertainty with the government um exactly what the government means by nationalization exactly what the government intends doing with a nationalized reserve bank whether it'll just continue on the same way except they won't have the same share shareholders anymore um i mean uh, it, it is the president that appoints the governor of the reserve bank. Uh, is whether or not we'll, we'll see significant uh, innovations as a result of it. There is a lot that the South African Reserve Bank can do to change itself and to become a truly independent reserve bank, which means independent from its current banking shareholders and independence from its uh, common friends in the corporate sector, which are mainly mines because they're always transferring mining revenues between countries. Uh, so every time the... Um, the Reserve Bank raises interest rates uh, in, in, in fact, uh, you know the last one last year could never have been seen as being the interest of share of of consumers, the vast majority of the people in the country, uh, because they, they increased interest rates just two, two months after we went into a recession, uh, which was two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Uh, so we'd had like, like uh, six months of negative growth, and, uh, we, which means we were in official recession territory and the Reserve Bank increased interest rates. Now you have to ask yourself, interest rates are meant to be increased or decreased in order to, uh, in order to avoid an economy overheating or to, to cut down on, on, on access to credit in order to cool economic activity. Now, why do you want to cool economic activity when you just slipped into recession? Surely you should be lowering interest rates in order to get us out of the recession. In fact, you should have lowered interest rates while we were halfway through the recession because uh, it's a leading indicator. We've said many times on the show that uh, interest rates are a very blunt instrument to try and manage an economy. It takes uh, between six uh, months and 18 months for... Changes in interest rates to affect uh, changes in uh, credit expansion, which means, you know, restraining uh, consumers from asking for more loans from banks. Uh, so, you know, uh, if you do increase interest rates uh, in response to your current conditions, uh, that that change in interest rates is only going to have an effect in a year and a half's time. So, uh, you know, the. You see, you get you get Western economic theory, and then you get the real practice. And when you look at the practice, in actual fact, there's no link between the theory and the practice. Uh, Tito Mboweni said when he raised interest rates in such a, uh, a uh, growth-destroying period while he was governor of the Reserve Bank from 2006 to halfway through until towards the end of 2008 – Consistently raising interest rates every second month uh, by half a percentage point. Um, Our our economy simply hasn't recovered since then. We are on 5.5% growth rate. We need to reach a 6% growth rate in order for us to uh, stop increasing unemployment, for us to create enough jobs to employ all of the school leavers, to create as many jobs as we are creating school leavers Uh, That's the magical 6% growth rate that South Africa requires to get there. So, like, you know, at 6%, our economy in terms of employment creation is only treading water. And we hadn't even reached there. We were on 5.5%, but we were going to get there. And Dieter Mawaini cut us off. And uh, our economy hasn't recovered. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, there's been international growth. You had the credit crunch and all of those things. You had massive outflows of money from South Africa. But just uh, less than two years later, the money was flowing fully back in again. I can remember in the early part of, uh, I think it was around in March 2010, I received a telephone call from a uh, uh, an extremely wealthy and well-connected uh, South African businessman uh, from a very big South African business family, and he asked me, do you think it's time to get back in? And I said, yes, I had that exact, exact thought today. It is It's perfect time to get in. And he did. He got in. Well, I don't know, actually, if he did get in. Actually, uh, it was just one phone call. He just asked me. I gave him my opinion. I don't know what the result of that was. But if he had followed me, it would have been a perfect time to get in. March 2010 was a good time to re-enter the market after the credit crunch. Um, the, the market was on sixteen seventeen thousand 17,000 at that time, and now it's on 55,000. So, uh, just with the general uh, tide rising, all boats—if if he did uh, invest at that time—he would have made a good money. Anyway, uh, the, the um, Rand Merchant Bank says uh, there's, in addition to adverse uh, domestic weather conditions in the maize-growing belt, there's been prolonged strike activity in the gold mining sector and political uncertainty leading into the national election. Uh, giving disappointing fixed investment, a lack of policy visibility, and a government fiscus. The 2019 real GDP growth forecast has been reduced to 1.4% from 1.5%. I think the government's growth level is one7 uh, RMB says growth is still expected to accelerate toward 1.6. Yay! During 2020, the improved inflation prospects, weak domestic growth outlook and less pressure to follow the global interest rate cycle higher suggests that the South African Reserve Bank may keep the repo rate unchanged in the foreseeable future. Oh, it's a pity. In actual fact, they should be reducing it. <clears throat> I've also said before in this program, uh, we've got an inflation targeting band of between 3 and 6%. And as an emerging economy, surely we need an inflation rate of around about 16%. So our inflation targeting band should be between maybe uh, 10% and 16%. Only then do you start increasing interest rates. Now, wouldn't that make sense? Hmm? Wouldn't that make sense? Uh, You know, even in 2006, our inflation rate wasn't uh, breaking through the 6% barrier and still we rose interest rates. Now, is that an independent reserve bank? Go and speak to all of the people who've lost their houses, all of the businessmen that lost their businesses uh, because, uh, you know, operating costs went up, uh, transport costs went up, all kinds of costs went up. And another major argument about Tito uh, rate uh, increasing interest rates was because the main thing that was driving inflation at that time was imported oil and they also imported petrol because some of our refineries went down at the same time of course imported petrol is far more expensive than imported oil because you've got to pay for the refining cost Um, doing the refining here in South Africa means those refining costs don't leave the country, well I suppose in terms of the profits of like say um, uh, the Chevron uh, and Shell I think are the two main refiners here in South Africa they do take the profits home but at least there's a portion of it that stays here Uh, so yeah, so um, you raise interest rates because uh, imported oil is causing costs to go up in the country. You can raise interest rates as much as you like. You will not be able to make the price of oil go down. You're simply going to add costs onto the consumer, and, you, and you're going to destroy economic activity and vitality. That's exactly what Tito Mboweni did. Our current finance minister. He's moved from the Reserve Bank to the finance ministry. Um, one big, big, round wrecking ball, Tito Mbaweni. Hey, Tito, do you sleep at night when you go and visit your mother in, um, uh, where's that it, where's it place up there in Limpopo, uh, where they have the rain queen? He, he visits his mother regularly, I was told by people in the township there. Uh, anyway, Tito, I'm sure you're not the only uh, politician in the world maybe has problems sleeping at night uh anyway so with a, a growth that says rmb is still expected to accelerate or towards 1.6 percent during 2020 the improved inflation prospects a weak domestic growth outlook and less pressure to follow the global interest rate cycle higher mm, yeah. the global interest rate cycle now there's another interesting little term that uh, actually is complete and utter nonsense uh, the global interest rate cycle, economies do not have uh, the same uh, do not have the same conditions. Uh, so, about the global interest rate cycle, what they're really speaking about is because we're because when Trevor Manuel was a finance minister, he brought in a whole lot of regulations uh, which were basically there to encourage the carry trade which means that uh, people in developed economies with 0% or 2.5% interest rates can take out very cheap loans, bring them here to South Africa, invest in stocks like single stock futures where you only invest in the underlying stock and the interest rate, but you forego the dividend. Uh, that means that uh, you, you're basically directly investing into our interest rate from a low interest rate environment. You do nothing. You simply take out a loan at like 0%, bring it into South Africa, you get 6.75% or maybe even 8 or 9%. And then you take it back home again after keeping it a while, for like maybe three months or so very nice business I mean why not I mean if you're not a Muslim I mean it, it makes perfect business sense you don't have to do anything there's almost no risk other than the underlying share price well in actual fact you know with these greedy people get very really greedy and uh, they use like say they've got uh, they've got a whole lot of commodities they've used gold uh, as security to take out the loan and then uh, while, while this whole kind of thing in, before the profits have been brought back in the middle of the whole um, kind of cycle that they go through, you know, the gold price could lower in value. And suddenly the bank will be saying, okay, uh, you've got to cover the shortfall in uh, the value of your security. Uh, and, and, and it can be a significant shortfall. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's just a few rands, sometimes it's just a few dollars, and sometimes it can make... Um, uh, Commodity movements, or perhaps they, you know, there's also, they use different currencies in order to make these things. Currency changes, all of these things can actually turn the whole thing very sour. Uh, So, but nevertheless, it is the means whereby South Africa is helping to fund its trade deficit every year. Uh, The money does come in. That's very easy money. I mean, sure. Uh, and uh, it doesn't uh, say anything about the confidence the government has in itself or the economy or its business sector and speaks volumes about that huge big gap that we have between the business sector and our government. It's something which has been, I would say, been deliberately created by our uh, financial newspapers, primarily Business Day, ensuring that there isn't really any communication, uh, any real communication between the business sector and uh, and our government. And uh, I, I would say that uh, Business Day and other financial newspapers, by sticking to this very strict kind of neoliberal kind of interpretation, not just of markets and business, but of the entire country, um, means that uh, there there hasn't been any real kind of national debate on the way forward for our economy. You only get these vested interest groups every now and then they get together and uh, they they spin a deal. They spin a scheme. Uh, But in terms of mass mobilization of um, real broad-based wealth creation, that never happens. Never, 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 ever happens. Uh, the ANC also has been very tardy in terms of uh, expressing its uh, its desires going forward. Like you'll you bring out the the new development plan, you know, about ten people in the country will understand it. You know, it's a it's a bit like the the Brexit deal. Mm-hmm. When I was watching BBC the day when Theresa May brought out her final Brexit deal, you know. And everyone was getting over and you're know, talking, you see all these people talking on the BBC and coming and speaking outside the Houses of Parliament and saying, well, almost every single person I saw who was giving his opinion on this new deal said, well, in actual fact, you know, not many people have managed to get their way through it or understand it. No one's actually read the entire document, not even Theresa May's cabinet, let alone uh, backbench uh, MPs and so on. Um, and and, and uh, I suspect in many ways... Uh, the National Development Plan other other um, other the other um, legislation like uh, public accounting and investment practices and so on and and uh, how how government departments are supposed to spend, and how Joburg twenty twenty is uh, aligned with uh, SA twenty twenty or twenty thirty or twenty forty. You get a whole lot of consultants, and they come along and they put all these very interesting little spreadsheets and things that no one can make sense of, other than the person who's putting it up, and maybe not even that person. Uh, and then that's the national policy. It's uh, it's so complex. It's so it is so uh big you know that uh it, it it ensures that only a small tiny professional elite is in actual fact able to take to make any sense of what's going on and to take advantage of the opportunities that may be coming out usually to the detriment of the greater mass of the people in this country uh so um that's the that's one thing uh, but, but i've also I felt that the ANC also likes keeping things under wraps, basically because the ANC politicians are getting ready to try and chow. They're trying to eat everything and get everything in line. So that by the time, by the time you announce, by the time you announce the tender, um, everyone has 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 got in line and they've got all all of their work ready. They know exactly what the figures are that need to be brought in to be attractive to government. Uh, They know the capacity that they're supposed to have behind them in order to qualify for the tender. They know who their partners are going to be so that they can all come there as like it's a done deal straight away while everyone else is like getting the tender document and having a look at it and saying, what does this mean? Um, I wonder who we could work with together on this thing. Um, It's a a bit like... uh, I mean, you see this aspect in all levels of society. Uh, you don't just see it at national government. You, you you see it at local government level. Like, for instance, um, uh, local governments across South Africa, the big metros, uh, rolled out a program uh, over the last few years encouraging people to form small businesses, uh, in order to qualify for capital equipment grants. They're given machinery, they're given tractors. You want to go and cut the cut the grass and the sides of the road. Here's those uh, sit on lawn mowers that you go and drive along with. You want to go and service um uh, backyard toilets in uh, in squatter settlements. Yeah, seven honeysuckers. In in fact, you know, uh, I was in Tembelithle a few months ago. It's a small um, shack uh, settlement uh, on the outskirts, or right in, and actually, it's right inside Lesotho. It's right next to the um, the trade route moor. And uh, one of their big gripes, you know, other than uh, several big gripes of the Tembelithle guys, in fact, the number one is that a few years ago. They were promised. They were promised houses in Lehigh, a nearby uh, formal uh, township, which uh, which was being built uh, uh, between uh, the Darululum Zakaria and uh, the Trade Route Mall. Uh, And some very nice houses have been built there. They said uh, we're going to relocate as many people as possible from Timbalithle to Lehigh. so, a few months before uh, this move was supposed to take place, now all the people in Demelitha are getting all excited, and they've got their numbers on their stands and everything, and everyone knows, okay, these are likely to be the first people who are going to go to Lehigh. Everyone's everyone's like Everyone's happy, they're waiting, they know that the ANC government has done something, and they they 're going to be moving into like like real houses. You know the big difference uh, moving into housing has an amazing uh, um, multiplier effect for your economic uh, prosperity when you're in a, when you 're when you're in a shack and it rains, your children get sick um, your the children 's school books get wet uh, the light fails very often because ESCOM something trips at the local power station. Uh, it's impossible for your children to to do their homework properly. Um, the, your children are usually very sick. Uh, everything in in your shack is dirty because all around the shacks is just mud. there's just mud uh, roads. Uh, and... Uh, it's' it 's really a struggle for survival as soon as you move into a house that is electricity and moving water suddenly dysentery isn 't a problem Suddenly, your wife doesn 't have to spend like three four hours a day just fetching water a um, battle to get access to clean water there 's one tap that everyone 's using and it 's usually filthy dirty around there. Uh, Timberitla has got a huge big um, waste problem uh but the big problem for them was the fact that just before that move to La Haya was supposed to happen, suddenly a whole lot of people were brought into Timberleaf and they were given checks right underneath the power lines. Now, no matter what the desperation was of the people in Timberleaf, they knew that the radiation from the power lines I mean, if you walk underneath power lines with a fluorescent light tube, you know, those tube fluorescent lights that you get, you walk underneath those power lines and your fluorescent tube at night will light up or light up during the day, but it's far easier to see at night. It will light up because that is the amount of electricity, electromagnetic flux, you could say, that is surrounding those power lines. That tube will light up as though you've got electric wires connected to it. So, when the move, suddenly all these strangers came along and they, they built shacks right underneath these power lines. It was like, well, who are these people are? Where have they come from? You see, the land invaders were now land invaded. They were land invaded by, uh, I think it was the housing MEC, who had actually started Timberleaf with the land invasion. He now brought a land invasion on the land invaders. And then, uh, suddenly, broof, all of those people there were gone. And where did they go? Lahai. Yeah, well, in addition to those complaints, the people in Timbalitla say that uh, they were promised electricity. Uh, a contractor came around and built a whole lot of um, of those photo- photovoltaic cell towers. Uh, cables were put in. Power boxes were put into shacks. Uh, but nothing was ever connected. So you've got all of those uh, uh, solar energy towers all around dotting uh, Timbalitla, but none of them are producing anything. Not even producing uh, power for the light that's that's sitting on top of the tower. Uh, so really, um, this kind of thing creates growing dissatisfaction. And the Timbalitli guys, they just look across uh, the marshland and they see the nice houses in Linasia and they want to go burn them down. Well, they they, they feel the Linasia people aren't doing enough for them. Now we've got another sh- sh- shack settlement on the other side of the railway line. And that's also growing. They're starting to come and take power lines, uh, power cables onto our electric cables that are going across the road. Uh, where it goes, Allah Ta'ala only knows. May he have mercy on our country and may he have mercy on us all. Uh, we've got to go for a quick commercial break. Inshallah, we'll be back in just a little while. You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah Wal Jama'an. Is... Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back. If you want to call us, want to share your views on anything that maybe i've said or maybe you think you've got something that uh, should be spoken about give us a call my number here in the studio is 10 0 or you can call or you can whatsapp us a message on 084-786-3132 the telephone number again 10 0 4 Uh, Yeah, well, we were speaking before the break about uh, the global interest rate cycle. There's no such thing as a global interest rate cycle. Um, First National Bank knows this, but what they're really talking about is the fact that we need to keep our interest rates above those in the United States, particularly in the United States, uh, because the United States has been increasing its interest rates. Very, very small little interest uh, rates, I think it's 2.75%. Uh, And that was the reason why we increased our interest rate in November last year, to keep that carry trade running into the country, to keep those vultures coming in and giving us uh, crumbs uh, so that that they can make the money out of our economy and, in fact, make money out of our consumers because, really, it's the consumers who are going to pay for the interest rate increases. Uh, And uh, that's why we have a higher interest rate cycle. So the carry traders can come into the country. And the reason why we have a, a trade deficit, and we we'll always have had a trade deficit, is we're always importing petrol and we're always importing capital equipment, the forms of technology and machinery for factories. So that's big business. It's not the small people of the country who are causing, uh, because we're importing high fire sets and washing machines. We make washing machines here. We make a uh, hi fi sets, see hi fi sets. I mean well, I wonder what the kids are thinking about that. Hi fi set. What is a hi fi set? <laughs> we 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 importing MP threes, kids. All of those MP3s, yeah, yeah. Have a look at that thing. That's you. That's you that's causing the troubles in the economy. Stop importing all these things, stop that Nike, stop that Adidas, stop all this branded clothing, darn it all, don't you have any self respect? Going it, close it means something in your own organic environment. Stop, stop feeding the machine that is killing our country. kids no, come on, move away from it all. Come on, come on, you know that you 're a millennium millennial you 're a you 're a newly born snowflake there 's no ways that you 're going to continue with this nonsense that your previous generations have been uh, doing in our country yeah, yeah, come on, oh really uh well, I was looking at those those Woolworths power water and power milk uh, adverts recently. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, well, there, you know, maybe there is some hope in the youth of our country because really, if you have a look at what the previous generations have done in this country, it really doesn't speak well for us, does it? Uh, so yeah, the global interest rate cycle means we have to keep our interest rates higher. And every time the US Fed increases interest rates, we have to increase our interest rates. It doesn't matter how hard we work as consumers, it doesn't matter how much we save as consumers. It doesn't matter what the savings levels in banks are, what the bank's deposits are looking like. It doesn't matter that, on a macroeconomic scale, we just wholesale ignore the fact that we've got a fourteen um, percent, what do you call, uh, contractual savings rate. Uh, the, the, the the and the global contractual savings rate is like around about one and a half percent. Ours is fourteen percent, and that's a that's a throwback to apartheid. Uh, where every time you wanted to get some buy something on a high purchase, you had to take out life insurance. Or you had to take out insurance on the thing you were buying. Anything you wanted to do, you had to take out insurance. The insurance sector did very well, thank you very much. There you get it. There, the, the big, the macro sector feeding off the micros. Uh, the 1% feeding off the 99%. And uh, as a result of that, we've got uh, the biggest in terms of our economy. Our our economy's pension pile is bigger than like Germany and five other countries put together. It, it, it really is a staggering amount of money that we manage, that the white South Africans largely also, with a lot of black people um, on board, managed to, to build up during apartheid. Uh, and, and yet, those 14% of GDP contractual savings are not counted as part of savings when Moody's gives us a downgrade or an upgrade. It's amazing. That 14% uh, means that you, you are forced into making these savings. And as, as such, the savings are not available. They're not easily liquidated. And so they can't be counted as real savings. That's why they don't count them as real savings. Uh, because if you run into emergency, you can't liquidate it easily. But nevertheless, the banks and the insurance companies and everyone have got those savings captured. And they're benefiting and very fat off them. Uh, but when it comes to Moody's and when it comes to the official debate by the Reserve Bank, and of course, newspapers like Business Day and so on, they go on about the, you know, the, the, the reckless consumers going off and buying MP3s and their granddads buying hi-fi sets. Uh, and they, they blame the consumers for it. But, of course, it's big business, and the interest rates are increasing in the interest of big business, and they've got nothing to do with the interests of the vast majority of the people in this economy. Uh, and so, like, you know, if that's the, the interest rate... Um, Discipline at the Reserve Bank. I don't think the Reserve Bank can be called independent. Uh, And, uh, you know, the the, the big business sector likes to speak about the independence of the Reserve Bank. But what they mean is independence from the ordinary people. We want it completely captured by us. That is what they mean. A corporate capture of the Reserve Bank. That's what they mean by independence. It's independent from the people. However, you know, that's the sort of kind of like theory of it all. Now, can ANC be trusted with the Reserve Bank and a nationalized Reserve Bank? Or will they suddenly be transferring a whole lot of funds to, uh, funds to Switzerland? Uh, well, anyway, that's uh, that, that, that's what... If, um, Uh, Rand Merchant Bank means by the global interest rate cycle. The Reserve Bank raising interest rates in tandem with the U.S. Fed so that the carry trade will continue coming into South Africa to pay off our trade deficit every year. So the big fat consumers in America, uh, because all of their money has been stolen in uh, in the dot-com phenomenon in the late 90s that popped in uh, 2001, uh, then they were ripped off with uh, the subprime crisis that continued until 2008. $1.3 trillion worth of uh, mortgages went down the tubes there. And all of those people have been thrown out of the houses, most of them. Uh, and so, you know, uh, most of the, the, the wealth that the middle class built up in the years after World War II has completely disappeared into the banks, into the 1%. The one percent of the population who owns all of these things. Uh, so the American consumer is uh, is is overfed. I mean, he's he's brainwashed into chowing as much as he can every year. Consume, 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 because that's your patriotic duty. Um, and uh, well, now their savings are beggared. So now they have to, they have to be able to come to South Africa and uh, for doing nothing, because basically that would seem like that's what most American workers do, uh, do nothing and get their Mexicans to come across the board and do all the dirty work, uh, and then you complain about them stealing our jobs. I'm sorry, I might have been a little bit uh, um, a bit cranky today. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's a global interest rate cycle. That's what the Rand Merchant Bank means by the global interest rate cycle. It means we have to keep our interest rates high to keep the trade trade coming in so the Rand Merchant Bank can continue to make money out of it. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's national debate. Do you get this kind of debate uh, in Business Day? You don't get it in Business Day. Why not? Because Business Day is captured as well. Yeah, just as much as the Peter Bruce is captured. He's a fanatical neoliberalist. See what uh, kind of these kind of neoliberal practices, as we've said in previous shows, has done in India in the 1940s and 50s, as it did in Ireland in the 1940s, 50s, and several decades thereafter. Millions and millions of... Oh, I was just thinking about it last night, in actual fact. There was something I hadn't pointed out when I spoke about the the Irish famines and the parallels between the Irish famines and the Bengal famines in the, 19, in the, in the, in the, in the 1840s, 1850s, 1846 potato blight, around about the same time as the Indian famine, when the India... Far East India Company was refusing to release food from its warehouses because they wanted to push up the prices and uh, the viceroy of India was refusing to do anything about it, saying that he couldn't interfere in the free market. because it wasn't a free market, just as much as there was never a free market here in South Africa during apartheid. Uh, And yet, nevertheless, Peter Bruce has been a staunch defender of the free market for his entire editorial career at Business Day. Staunch defender of a free market that doesn't exist. In a way, it's uh, very typical of, of Western intellectualism. You come up with a theory, but the practice doesn't exist. Um, you know, like we were speaking about the raising interest rates, you know, the oil price is going up. So, inflation is rising. So, you raise interest rates to drop inflation. And inflation doesn't drop because it's been caused by exogenous factors being imported into South Africa, imported inflation. It doesn't matter, you know, and, and, and oil, of course, is, is in the primary sector of the economy and interest rates are in the secondary sector of the economy. So, uh, so the, the secondary factors cannot affect primary factors in the economy. Uh, so it was all a lot of nonsense. And in actual fact, another interesting thing about this captured reserve bank of ours that we have was when the, when the inflation targeting policy first came out, It actually had a clause in it, which allowed the Reserve Bank to ignore exogenous imported inflation factors such as rising oil prices. That clause was taken out. I would love to know who took out that clause. It must have been a very, very evil person. People. Uh, Because that was, that clause, the removal of that clause, enabled Tito Mbawene to sabotage our economy, our current finance minister. And we've never recovered, never recovered, haven't got back to that momentum that we enjoyed after the Mandela years. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in ways it's very sad, yeah. Riba merchants, enemies of love, <clears throat> enemies of family, enemies of prosperity. That the Riba merchants, the people who wage war against Allah and his Rasul through Riba, through interest. Usury. All right. Well, um ran Merchant Bank. Sure, it's taken a long time to get through this little report. I mean, it's <laughs> hmm. well, you know, there's so many things in the economy, you know, and 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 as, as I said when I first started reading this, that uh, I I don't read it because I agree with them, but it's it's good to know what uh, the uh, the the common prejudice the central prejudice in the market is so that you can avoid being trampled by the herd you can move aside and you can go and take positions in other places uh, yeah so this is uh, this is um, this is the the millipop that Rand merchant bank uh, feeds the herd and i'm i'm, I'm reading the millipop for the herd uh, from Rand Merchant Bank, uh, and that's why it's taking so long because you've got to decipher all this nonsense. And this is stuff that, like you know, these people are serious about money. <laughs> uh, ongoing state-owned uh, enterprises challenges. It uh, you know, it says uh, nothing really. It's a it's a, it's a very uh, political hot potato, and Rand Merchant Bank kind of like. Walks on eggs and doesn't really say much about it. it says, yeah, ESCOM is going to be broken into three. State will provide financial support, they have said, uh, which will not burden the fiscus with unmanageable debt. Uh, they haven't, don't discuss that in any way. They also announced establishment of an independent investigating directorate. They don't say anything about those um, those offices that are, are going to be um, appointed to overlook specific loans. Uh, and that was another interesting thing, of course. And um, they're, they're going to be bond uh, surveillance officers, uh, I can't, uh, chief operating officers or something like that, uh, chief implementation officers, to make sure that the loans or the bonds that are sold to the corporates are, are utilized in the proper way, in the stated way, in the way that they're supposed to be done. Uh, but then I wonder, you know, as you go and you try and make your bond market uh, sexier to bond buyers... Um, the whole thing about a bond is you buy a bond and you can liquidate it very easily any time you want you don't have to put up with the additional hassle of going and making sure that the bond is properly paid so that when the time comes you'll be paid back i mean is the government going to going to pay bondholders and you you're going to have to have I mean what's the i' I'd, I'd, I'd hate to know what the uh, discount is going to be on the South african bonds on these corporate bonds that the government uh, somehow or other in some crazy future date is hoping to sell to bond sellers who can go and buy other bonds all around the world that are unencumbered with all this nonsense uh you know uh if if you're going to buy that bond. You're actually going to now have to go and spend time, or what, on on, on site at, at Madhupi, making sure that, that, that the money is being spent in the proper way. Uh, you're going to have to appoint someone who's going to go and protect your interests for you. Um, the upshot of all of this is going to be, if it does go ahead, is that the bondholders are going to take over the running of the state-owned enterprises, which, uh, which will be kind of like... Uh, privatization creep I suppose you could describe it because certainly the government's going to find a hard time finding uh these uh, these officers uh, oversight officers to um to w- what work for free uh, it's a, it's, a, it's going to be a major cost one would expect uh Yeah, so, you know, it sounds like a nice kind of idea, but I don't think the people have actually thought that down to the nitty-gritty. It sounds like, you know, there's public relations people with a PowerPoint in front of them and a laptop and a huge big screen in a very quiet and dark hall, talking to a whole lot of other people with a lot of money, and they're saying, this is going to be the central prejudice that we're going to be able to rip off the public with, you know. They're going to... Come up with another big, wonderful theory that's completely detached from reality. Everyone's going to come along and say, "My, it's so like intellectual. We must go with it. Must work." And of course, it like falls to pieces again. Um, just as the West is falling to pieces all over the world, really, um, two major events have drawn into into serious question the legitimacy. The the gravitas of Western intellectualism, and that is uh, the move away from uh, multilateralism to unilateralism by the United States going and waging war all over the place. Um, I mean, it's, it's almost single-handedly dismantled the World Trade Organization. Um, lending rules have been thrown out of the window uh, at the, the IMF and the World Bank. I can remember a few years ago, Idris Derby, the dictator in Chad, who's such very good friends with his Western allies. Um, he's got a pipeline that goes all the way from Chad. It goes all the way around the Gulf of Africa through Mali and comes out uh, uh, in Morocco and goes across to Spain. Uh, he's that's a huge, big, long pipeline simply because Libya's in the way of the Darfur oil. The Darfur is the last unexplored oil field in Africa. Uh, we spoke about it a little bit le- a while back. And if you can get an oil pipeline going from Darfur th- uh, through Libya, man, that, 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 that'd that be so much easier and, uh, and, and, and a lot. And that speaks so much to the Libyan crisis and the current Algerian crisis, too. Um, so, Idris Derby, a few years ago, uh, all his oil reserves were being kept in escrow accounts, as they usually are in London and Britain. I mean, London and uh, Washington uh, or New York. And. Uh, and uh th- that money was being kept in escrow accounts specifically because Idris Deby is an African and so you can you can rely on racism in the United States to, to hold on to a nation's reserves without anyone saying but, but 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 that's ridiculous in the same way that France holds on to all of the reserves. The national reserves of all of its former colonies are kept in France and invested in French infrastructure. It's very, very nice. Um, I could go on about ALF as well, but that'll got to Alf Oil Company, a Total, uh, Fina, those guys, uh, paying bribes all over across the African continent for like decades and decades. Now, now they're coming to Africa to build democracy again. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, the French, huh? They got so much flair. They got this savoir flair. Uh, très bon, très bon. Uh, yeah, so uh, Idris Debi was then allowed to go and buy a whole lot of arms to go and kill a whole lot of people from Darfur, and of course Sudan Khartoum is blamed for the violence in Darfur, but every single leader of Chad has always come from Darfur, and every time those guys in those pan technical, although the, the, those uh, the, those technicals they call them the buckies with the with a fifty caliber machine gun on the back. Every time they cross the border and, and, and drive into into chad 's border and and shoot up people, and then the French are calling call their special forces and they bring in their airplanes a the thousand special forces and the whole air force base in chad Idris just debbie 's a very nice little boy, and uh, yeah, they go and blow blow the the rebels to pieces, or at least they say they do i don 't know maybe it 's a whole stage managed kind of thing. The rebels just kind of like disappear and they go drink champagne with the French somewhere. Um, yeah, so Idris Derby only holds onto power simply because he's got the French behind him. The French keep a dictator in power, just like America does. And uh, then when Idris Derby uh, wants to use the money to buy, get a hold of the military and go kill a whole lot of people himself instead of having to rely on his French partners, the the Paul Wolfowitz was then the head of the Reserve Bank. He called, yes, yeah, sure, you can have the money. Gave him the money. So, like, you know, all these multilateral organizations have fallen to pieces. World trade organizations has fallen to pieces. Um, uh, and, uh, basically, the United States is becoming increasingly badly behaved. The superpower is now a super problem. And, uh, yeah, it makes for very dangerous times. In the meantime, we here in South Africa are worrying that the rand is being undone because we've been naughty people and we've bought... Um, Hi-fi sets and and MP3s, and we feel very bad. We feel very like we've been reckless and terrible. But in actual fact, we haven't. We haven't. We've been conned. We've been bamboozled, huh? As um, Al Haji Malik Al Shabazz would say, commonly known as Malcolm X. Now, you've been fooled. You've been bamboozled. You've been hoodwinked. We have. And, of course, you know, it's by these most wonderful of respectable publications like Business Day and other mainstream media outlets, captured, completely captured. Yeah, well, anyway, that's uh, that's South Africa today. Another risk facing uh, South Africa, according to Rand Merchant Bank, is Brexit. Um, he says that uh, the Bank of England's Monetary policy committee has expressed its concern regarding the impact of on, on Brexit on a slowdown in global growth on the outlook for the UK economy, uh, such as lower growth forecast for the UK economy from 1.7 to 1.2. So, now nah, 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 we're growing faster than the UK. And, and that's been the weakest level since the recession of 2009 and loads inflation force cast to just below the target of 2% of course it's important to look at the UK because they're one of our most important uh, trading partners um, Rand Merchant Bank always also says the USA-China trade war is also a, a cause for concern uh, globally as well as domestically um, and that's Rand Merchant Bank uh, other interesting stories well, the World Bank and the African Development Bank uh, today announced that they're going to commit more than $47 billion by 2025. Oh, I wonder if we'll ever really see any of that money, if anyone will actually see any of that money, it was just nonsense being spoken right now. You know what politicians are like. They make promises that extend beyond uh, their administration's lifespan. They're in, they're in business for five years, and uh, they make promises uh, that are only going to come true in seven years' time. So by the time the promises don't come true in seven years' time, the politicians that made the promises have been disappeared for more than two years. Uh, That's the way, that's the big problem with uh, Western political theory, modern political theory, is that uh, politicians' promises never last as long as repayment obligations to national debt that 's one of the main reasons why the world is getting to the, one of the main reasons why the world is getting into problems at the moment so anyway they they 're going to give this make this money available to help banks uh, tackle climate change're they going to make it available that means they 're going to lend it to people at at uh, at uh, an interest rate says many countries on the continent, especially those on the coast, are most vulnerable to effects of climate change, such as rising sea levels and coral reef deterioration. Others are prone to more frequent droughts, desertification desert and floods. Uh, it's, the World Bank said it at pledge $22.5 billion. African Development Bank has committed $25 billion. And uh, the main beneficiaries are probably going to include projects in Ethiopia, Rwanda and Kenya. Yeah, the captured nations of Africa. Exaro, South African coal mining company, said today its full-year earnings climbed seven percent, boosted by higher coal prices and absence of one-off transactions seen a year earlier. Uh, core headline earnings a share rose two thousand one hundred fifty-nine cents, or seven point one six seven billion rands. Sure, that's very nice uh, for the year uh, ended December thirty-one, twenty eighteen. And the headline earnings per share, uh, it says um, 2011 cents, or 6.29 billion rands in the same period last year. Um, Exaro supplies coal to Eskom, said its production volumes rose due to higher output at its Groot operations following the ramp-up of Madhupi Power Station says their supplier to ESCOM increased in line with contractual commitments. That's very nice, while all other markets remain stable. Um, The name of the contractor that's supposed to be scrubbing uh, the boilers at Madupi uh, has gone bankrupt because they didn't get paid. Uh, One presumes then that Exaro has been paid, but the smaller companies, tough luck, man. And so uh, the ash is building up at Madupi. I don't know. I haven't seen anything saying that that's... uh, particular problem has been addressed in any way um, and of course ESCOM has announced a schedule one uh, power cuts over the next while that's also because of problems at madupi they said today. And Boeing has agreed to defer the delivery of Comair's second Boeing 737 MAX 8. we will be happy to hear. The South African airline continues to consult with Boeing technical experts and other operators. It said today its current 737 MAX 8 fleet has so far been the only aircraft. Well, it's the only only max in South Africa. Um, They've only got one. They can say they're going to hold off on the second one and they've got another six that are also supposed to be coming in a while. But, of course, investigations are going to have to go ahead into that particular model um, and we pray for the best of outcomes. Uh, Jazakum Allah for joining us I make dua that whatever trade activity You got up to today has been profitable And above all halal As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Subhanallah <laughs> Alhamdulillah Allahu Allahu Subhanallah Alhamdulillah Allahu Allah La shahadu Allahi لا الا <سؤال> محمد رسول الله لا اله الله محمد رسول الله الله